Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 637. In a Ferris Bueller kind of way, you've got to stop and um, look around once in a while. So um, it's probably a Ferris Bueller inspired thing, actually. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest all the way from the United Kingdom, artist Tim Lazell. Tim, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am, thank you. Thank all you. right, great to have you here. Tim Lazell is one of the world's leading automotive artists. He lives in the United Kingdom where he was raised, and in 1995, at the young age of 13, he won the British Racing Drivers Club's prestigious Young Motoring Artist Award, and a career in art was born. Tim has two very distinctive styles and an eye for super realism and super detail while maintaining an element of nostalgia and pop art boldness. His enthusiasm for motor racing encompasses a majority of his work, and he's a regular participant in vintage rallies and trials events. Tim has many clients who've commissioned his paintings, and his art has been featured in magazines on their covers, on posters, concours events, and galleries, and hangs on collectors' walls around the world. So, Tim, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your career, and of course, your passion for automobiles? Sure. Yeah. Well, I, um, as as it said, I mean, I, I I was very lucky. I started my career really with um, with winning that uh, award by the British Racing Drivers Club. But I actually started painting probably from uh, pretty much from the time I could pick up a pen or a pencil. Uh, so I've got pictures from when I was about three years old. My uh, family we used to go to uh, vintage sports car club meetings in the UK, sort of hill climbs and race meetings when I was sort of just three years old and from then on I gained a, a real enthusiasm obviously for vintage cars that really sort of encouraged me to, to sort of draw them and then from then obviously I was, I was at school won this competition and I exhibited at Silverstone uh, circuit for that which used to be the old Coys Festival quite a big festival, now the Silverstone Classic and then I went on from there really I started exhibiting at Goodwood and this is while I was at school, obviously. Finished school and, and then uh, tried to do it as a career. And um, I'm still doing it. I'm still getting away with it. So uh, 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still on kind of a gap here, <laughs> but a very low one, about a 20-year one. Yeah, I think so. Well, it's pretty cool. I like the way you said that. I'm still getting away with it, but I've been aware of your artwork for a very long time. Some of your pieces hang in my home, and I love your style. The the really bold graphic style of that one side of your artwork is really appealing to me. It shows a lot of motion, and uh, you definitely have been around a lot of cars your whole life, and I know you still drive an old Riley. Uh, automobile. I've got a great picture of you that'll be on your show notes page of you and your wife and that Riley. So you're definitely having fun with cars and we're going to learn a lot more about you as we continue on your journey of life. But first, I always ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has a a, a meaning for you. So Tim, take the wheel. Well, I kind of think uh, carp at the end, live, live for today and just grab every opportunity. But also, I find you can work, you've got to get a balance in life. Someone said to me, you know, if you're, if you're working at the weekend or sort of late hours, then, you know, if something's not working out. So you've really got to get a life balance. And now with a sort of young family, I sort of realized that, um, I used to work all the hours to get work done for exhibitions, but you know, you, in a Ferris builder kind of way, you've got to stop and, um, look around <laughs> once in a while. So, um, but it's probably a Ferris builder inspired thing, actually. <laughs> not that i've ever um borrowed a ferrari in that way <laughs> well um if you find a borrow ferrari once in a while like ferris bueller just make sure that uh, stays in the garage and doesn't fly out of the garage but uh <laughs> what's a little bit of advice you might offer for those entrepreneurs out there that are spending so many hours i understand it i do it myself what's a good way that you found to find that balance in life yeah i mean i think um I obviously, obviously working. I mean, I have to work to occasionally for posters, event posters, things like that. You've got to work to deadlines, things like that. And you've also got to keep customers happy, which is it's actually really hard to do, especially with something creative because it doesn't work. It doesn't work in, in quite in the same way as a, a few other, the more regular jobs, you know. Sometimes it, you start a painting and it, yeah, it's, it's, it hits the mark straight away and you can, you can kind of do it and it, it's, um, it can be almost straightforward, but there's other times where you kind of, it doesn't work and, you know, you've got to throw, chuck the canvas and start again. And so it, I find doing a painting is quite, it's quite stressful, but you've got to, you've got to kind of walk away sometimes and, and, um, you know, having, having, a car to sort of tinker with actually is quite good and go for a drive, take a break. Um, <laughs> it's quite good at relieving the stress actually. I had quite a relatively fast drive this morning. Um, <laughs> nice. and that, that was, um, that blew the cobwebs away a bit because, uh, it's a nice bright sunny day here. So, uh, which is rare at the moment. So, um, yeah, that helps. Yeah, I think that's a great bit of advice is to have some other kind of thing to go to. And of course, for first automotive enthusiasts, having something in the garage to play with or tinker with or work on or go for a drive to kind of get away and do something different. But I think that's great advice is to have a distraction or something very different than what you do if you're sitting behind a keyboard or behind a canvas or whatever that might be. So great words of advice there. I'd love for you to share a little story about what instigated your passion for cars. Your career in painting and art started a long, long time ago, but is there a pivotal moment in your life when you look back, when you realize that you too were a car guy? Um, as, I, as I think I kind of touched on it, I, I was taken to car events at such an early age. I can't really remember a time without them. So my father had such a passion for particularly vintage sort of cars, sort of 30s. 
and 50s, 60s racing cars, I took on that sort of interest. So we used to go to um, hill climbs, particularly around, which are, are popular here. So um, sort of uh, a mile or, or three-quarter mile dash um, up through sort of woodland. I don't know that you do it so much in the US, but um, that was sort of very much a, a sort of vintage thing, very kind of relaxed atmosphere. Um, so we used to go to a lot of that, and uh, inspired by cars like um, Bugattis and ERAs. I don't know, you know, the ERAs, the English Racing Automobiles. But that's certainly one of my um, one of my favourite one of my favourite marks. And um, yeah, a few a few things. I mean, uh, we were once at um, at Wiscombe Hill Climb in Devon in the UK, and and, and one of the ERAs um, went up the bank and crashed, and that's all. That stayed with me, and I, I think I probably went home to draw that. It was in the Prince Vera color, racing colours, the high print ah. um, of the of the blue with the yellow, oh, the yeah. yellow wheel. Things like that. I mean, I, could, I, I remember sort of uh, getting to a race meeting at Silverstone and getting out of the car and wanting to run straight over to the track. I could sort of smell the Castrolar oil um, <laughs> as soon as I got out of the car. So, yeah, Castrolar oil is something that's quite hard to get out of the veins. But yeah. I... Um, I'd, yeah, I'd quite like to just rub it on my sort of regular, <laughs> regular car sort of exhaust manifold stickers. I'm not sure my wife. Would. Well, it's uh, yeah. When you grow up around it, your parents take you to those events. Quite spectacular. There's a gentleman up here in the Pacific Northwest that has one of Prince Beer's BRAs. Uh, it's a uh, um, one of the largest uh, winning Formula One cars ever. It's a, a very old car. I'll have to send you some pictures of it. I got to spend a whole day with that car, photographing okay, yeah. it for a photo shoot. Famous blue car with the little white mouse on it. So I think that might be yeah, um, Romulus maybe yeah. Very nice car. Yeah, it's fantastic. So very cool. All right, Tim. Well, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. Uh, choosing being an artist, a fine artist for a living is fraught with ups and downs. It's a big challenge. I'd love for you to share a huge challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way in your career. But of course, the most important part of these challenges we face is how we overcome them and what we learn from them. So take us to a point in time, kind of walk us through that and then tell us what that period of time taught you. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as, as you say, sort of being an artist anyway is actually quite a huge challenge to actually make a living from it. I'm very fortunate um, that it's pretty much been my only job in my life. Um, so trying to establish that as a, as a career is pretty pretty hard anyway. I've always been very lucky that I've made really good um, sort of connections with uh, press and journalism. So it takes a long time to, to build. I've now, you know, I mean, I'm featured in a lot of magazines and newspapers. And I do do, I do paint uh, quite a few event posters now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very lucky that I don't have too many lulls in my, in my business. There are times, obviously, when you have quiet periods, you know, and, and I, I've always sort of feared those times in, but I probably shouldn't because actually it's quite nice now. If I have a period where I don't have too many paintings to do, because it sure. gives me a chance to do something else. Um, but certainly, when I have had quiet periods, and you inevitably get them, I think in any in any business or any sort of job where you you kind of think, "Am I going in the right direction?" And I think, yeah, you have to sort of keep the faith and um, and keep going. Really, I I certainly every time I start a painting, actually, is, is stressful. Uh, which surprises quite a few people. They sort of think I should be really confident in doing it. <laughs> um, but actually, 
you know, as I said before, sometimes you start one and it's fine, it works out. But actually, if you before you start, there is a real sort of um, fear of failure that you're not going to work out. Because obviously, there's paintings I do which are just for exhibition and, you know, it's nice to sell them, but I want to paint things I like. But there's also, if you're painting a commission, you, you've got to be happy with it and the customer's got to be happy with it. So right. um, there is a real... There's a real kind of, um, yeah, you get pretty tense, actually. And actually, going to, like, you, t- you sort of touched on the fact I do two styles. I paint sort of a, it, it, it looks sort of like a photorealism, but it's, it's kind of not. It's more of a, it looks like that, but it's actually quite impressionist um, in its style. It's kind of dots, and, and that looks really intricate. And then I do my sort of graphic sort of pop-art style, for want of a better phrase. Um, and that looks really simple, but it's actually the pop art ones which are almost harder because they they take so so much energy to con- sort of construct the the composition, and they they can be a real kind of you know if they don't work they fail because they rely so much on perspective and speed and ah. but also being simple. So actually, um, <laughs> each painting can be pretty stressful, and you yeah. have to dig yourself out of the hole sometimes. And, and yeah, you, you kind of have to walk away from it, as I said, and and come back to it. It's not not always something that that works for me. Well, at the end of the day, it is a business, and like any business, yeah. you have to deliver a product at the end of the day. And when you're dealing with a product that is not a uh, a teacup or something that is uh, specific, yeah. it's it's very much a feeling for people. I can only imagine the challenge that uh, you face sometimes when you unveil that piece for somebody and whether they go, ah, or, oh, yeah. that isn't what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, definitely a challenge. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call one of those career aha moments when kind of the headlights illuminate your way and tell us the steps you took to turn that career aha moment into a success. Yeah, well, that's that's probably actually finding that other style because until I found my kind of pop art sort of style, my graphic style, I was mainly sort of doing the sort of more realism kind of thing. Although that's now developed since I started pop art, that's kind of got changed as well. So you're always you're always developing things, and and actually in in both styles, I I kind of I kind of had aha moment kind of thing. But the discovery of the of the sort of that kind of graphic style, someone commissioned me for a um, a Christmas card image, I think it was, in um, one of the paintings you would send out to their customers, a, a really well-known uh, car uh, seller here. Uh-huh. And um, basically, basically uh, he said, have you, you know, have you ever done anything a bit wacky, a bit different? And I thought, well, yeah, okay, I, I did, but only when I was at school. And um, so I actually gave it a go, and um, I did this painting, and then someone received the Christmas card. They then commissioned the painting. Uh-huh. And then it went into lots of, um, it went the Telegraph newspaper in the UK and used it as their coverage for, um, Goodwood Revival that year. Okay. As instead of a, instead of a photograph, they used that as a big broadsheet, uh, nice. photograph in the newspaper. So that was kind of, you know, and I was like, wow, you know, and I got so much interest out of that. It was a great, that was a great, um, thing. And actually, they sort of account for sort of my biggest print sales now, that, that style. And it's kind of what I'm known for now, that style. Although I've been doing the, the other one longer, although it's, as I say, it's changed now, um, a lot of people just think they don't realize I paint in two styles. Well, there's a, there's a great takeaway from that lesson. I would think that, uh, 
don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone and try something yeah. different and new. You never know where it might go. And I can see yeah. how that more graphic style might have more appeal to for lack of a better word, a more common art buyer because it's different and it's bold and exciting. And uh, yeah. I love both of your styles with the graphic kind of pop art style. I like a little bit more just because I like that hard edge and the the sense of motion is really nice with it. So yeah, I think I was just gonna say I think that's I think that's what people do like about it. It has a sort of graphic style and it's quite clear and it looks simple, but it, the cars I hope are sort of actor and they have all the detail and you get the feeling of the event but kind of all wrapped into a kind of a yeah that sort of nostalgic image you know yeah. in, in a kind of simple way exactly well i love it i love it very nice i would assume you've had many proud moments you've received a lot of awards your your artwork has been shown all over the world it's appeared in many publications is there one proudest moment you could share with us that really stands out for you um yeah, I mean, obviously, my original, my original prize winning, um, was, was amazing. I, I, I'd be, yeah, I don't know about one particular moment. There, there's certain, certainly, you know, I think when I, when I see a, a painting or an image somewhere, I, I'm very sort of proud of that. There, at the moment, I've got, uh, pictures on the London Underground, which are advertising a, an event, the Alexandra Palace. And they're sort of used as big uh, billboards opposite the the platform and the stations all over London. And my friends keep sending me pictures of <laughs> when they arrive at a station, or my customers do as well. Yeah. When they arrive in a station and um, see the image, and uh, hey, I, you know, hey, I think I've just seen one of Tim's pictures. So that's really cool. Also, you know, meeting sort of amazing legends of the of motorsport, Sterling Moss, I've met quite a few times and presented him with with. The, painting here and there and so nice. doing things like that and, and celebrating events like that yeah it was always a very sort of proud moment being, being very big. cool very cool i love that well let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time i would love for you to share your first really special car and maybe a memory you have with that vehicle yeah i mean <laughs> i was gonna say i was gonna say my riley special actually because that that was a very cool uh it's a very cool car um and we, we we had a lot of fun in that and lots of trials and things. But actually, probably probably my first car was my my uh, I just had a Volkswagen Polo little coupe, and um, we used to do twelve car rallies. I don't know if you have them in the US, but essentially they're sort of evening rallies. My my brother was at Bristol University. We used to do uh, these these rallies, these night rallies, and. Uh, You'd sort of start after um, kind of everyone had finished work, although they were all at university at the time, mm-hmm. and um, and then you sort of start around the countryside, and and you'd be doing these sort of crazy rallies, and you had to do it at night so you could kind of see other cars. But you had to plot the route, and and um, so although nothing particularly special about that car, it had a lot of special memories because we had amazing fun. Yeah, and um, yeah, it was it was great. I kind of I kind of miss that that era of cars actually i mean it's it's only sort of like a late 80s 90s polo uh-huh. uh Volkswagen. but I, I miss the kind of simplicity of that uh those kind of cars they always seem stronger inside and the interiors and things yeah so i kind of um i kind of yeah i kind of quite fancy a sort of uh, <laughs> an old hot hatch like that you could just dart around not worry about the value of it and 
and just um, just enjoy driving it. Have some fun. Yeah, I had a uh, my first brand new car was a 1979 Volkswagen Scirocco. Okay, yeah, first series, and that car had very much that same kind of feel. Very simplistic, Gisario design, which is a really cool thing. Not particularly fast, but fun car and uh the hatchback of course so it was uh, utilitarian as well but uh i understand exactly what you're talking about now how about seller's remorse is there a vehicle you've owned that you've let go that you really wish you had back in your garage yeah i mean i ha- i am a tvr addict but i know you, do, you guys don't have many tvrs not many rest, tvrs but... over here no yeah so i've had i don't even know how many i've had i've had seven i think but there's one uh, when i do regret selling which was a, a 1970 um tvr tuscans that was like the the old three liter v6 ah. and uh, they didn't make many of those and um i had it for a while and and actually I, I i had the classic kind of i went i went um with my dad he's also got a tvr my brother's got a tvr as well i still got a tvr but uh, we went and uh so we always get excited we went to buy it uh, or, or look at it obviously and um you know on the way as usual i said to my dad you know don't get too excited don't get sucked in you know, we, we need to look through it, you know, make sure it's all okay. And of course, we had a look at it and it was amazing because it was, um, it just looked like a little James Bond car really because it was, it was a silver with a red leather interior and actually had kind of like GT40 kind of seats. And, uh-huh. um, this guy took me out of the road in it and went stupendously fast. So I didn't have a seatbelt on and, you know, halfway around the drive, I decided I'd the red mist yeah we broke down on the way back and oh gosh um, you know and then i was like uh, it needed so much sort of uh work doing it really but um yeah we, we i used it um for a couple of years and yeah i sold it and um probably shouldn't have really i should i should have just by the time we we didn't have we, we only have one garage and we didn't have much space so yeah i sold it and um so it's someone in France, actually, who then wrote it off, I think. They crashed it. So, oh, gosh. Which is a real shame. So they sent me a picture of it. Uh, in fact, I saw a picture, looking through my pictures, saw a picture of it this morning. And, yeah, it didn't have a roof. They had to cut the roof off and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, I definitely regret it. Oh, gosh. Yeah, those are... Yeah, those are really unique cars. At least for over here, they never really made their way over here. But they had that big back glass window. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, fun little cars. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. What are you working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Yeah, well, in terms of, in terms of work, yeah, we um, I'm sort of working on a commission of the Ford GT. So um, if we get the guy here in the UK, he um, I think he owns a Ford dealership. So we're, we're doing two pictures. We're doing a picture of the, the original Ford GT40 winning in um, 66. Is that right? Um, and then, uh, and then sort of the 50th anniversary, obviously, of them returning to the mall and, um, winning their class. So, um, just starting, just starting on that, um, which is pretty cool. And also the Porsche 917, 1970. Ooh. So, um, yeah, that's also, that's also pretty cool. So, nice. yeah, quite, quite a few, um, quite a few, I've got quite a few paintings lined up, which I need to do. Yeah. Uh, cool. <laughs> so, cool. Lots to do. Yeah, exciting. Uh, were you at Pebble Beach this last summer with all those uh, GT40s on the lawn? I was. So yeah, I mean, um, that's. Uh, I, I, I was lucky enough to come back to Pebble Beach this year. I didn't go last year. The uh, birth of our second child, and um, she she arrived. Uh, Amelia arrived the, the week before, so mm. I wasn't allowed to go. <laughs> well, 
Congratulations for that. Thank you. Uh, but I was back there this year, and yeah, I did. Um, I did uh, see all the GT forties, and um, yeah, so I was very, very lucky to get Pebble. And in fact, I, I, I painted the poster again this year, which I've yeah. done since two thousand and nine. So. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to go back. And they always have an amazing spare car. Yes, yeah. Well, I loved your loved your poster this year you did for them again, so uh, bravo to that. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Tim. If you were a car, what kind of car would Tim be and why? Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was trying to work that out. Um, <laughs> I don't want to be, I'm nothing, I'm nothing flash particularly. I think probably a, a TVR does sum that quite well, actually. Um, okay. Um, I can be quite fast in terms of, Daredevil. I tend to fall in water a lot when I'm if I'm on my bike or something. I I break down and um, but I'm excited maybe when I when I when I actually work and uh, maybe maybe that's maybe that's it. Maybe uh, <laughs> that would fit the brief. The TVR, nice. I love it. Well, Tim, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's cars. Yeah, sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Tim, we're back and we're entering the last lap and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Uh, yeah, someone told me to always, uh, when looking at a classic, particularly, buy the best you can afford. Ah, yes. <laughs> I'm not sure I've always, I've never, I've never really followed that advice. Yeah, the guy, we all know how to sell you a car now. We just take you drive for a real fast drive and you'll buy whatever you're sitting in. So great saying if you can afford, yeah, if you can afford that. It is great advice. Buy the best that you can afford for sure and have someone else there with you to try to talk you out of it. Would you, (laughs) would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success as an artist? Um, yeah, I think something that's helped me is, um, 
attention to detail, I think. I, my dad always says that. My dad comes around and helps me do uh, DIY, and I annoy him because I, I always, um, I, I don't stop until it's sort of quite right. But at the same time, you've got to get a balance. Um, so I, I do have an attention to detail in terms of um, research and things, um, and finishing the painting. And I think always try and go that step further if you can than than anyone else. Or I hope I can. Um, but also, you have to know when to stop. I think that's um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, how about a resource? There's lots of great resources these days. Is there one that stands out for you? Yeah, there is, but not many other people can use it. Um, that would be my brother. Oh, <laughs> and, and, and my dad. So they, um, they, they love. They, they share the passion. They love um, racing cars, and my brother particularly is an encyclopedia of um, motor racing. So nice. they actually um, write quite a few of the descriptions for my paintings, although oh. I sort of research them. Okay. Um, in the early days, he used to sort of help. They used to help me research them as well. But um, he um, he tends to write my descriptions, and um, yeah, he, he sort of uh, finds finds a little. He always got a little nugget of information for it. Nice, nice to be able to work with your family members as yeah. well. Now, how about a book? Is there a book that you've read recently that you think the Cars Yeah listeners would really enjoy? Um, yeah, it's actually a, a series of books, which is um, the, the 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 Paul Parker racing uh, racing. Um, series, racing and camera series. Um, they're, they're a great series of books. They sort of, uh, they have, uh, sports racing cars mm-hmm. for in, from the 50s to the 70s and then, uh, Formula One from the 50s to 70s, all in different decades. And they're, they're great because they, they pick out so many, they're good for me because they pick out, there's a lot of color photography in there of cars you wouldn't necessarily recognize. They, he picked out quite a few back markers and things like that. And, it's really interesting color scheme. So actually, for me, creating a painting is great. You can, if I'm painting a scene, and I can, I can use quite a few random kind of kind of cars um, in the background. I, you wouldn't cool. necessarily see very cool. Features. Nice. Well, I'll remind our listeners you can find links to all these great resources on Tim's show notes page at carsyeah.com slash Tim Lazell, and Tim's last name is L A Y Z E L L. And of course, if you Google his name. You'll find all sorts of pieces of artwork. There's another great place on the Cars yeah website called Guest Recommended Books, where this book, the series of books, and all the past 636 past guest books are listed there for quick, easy clicks to buy. It's a great resource for, for wonderful books. All right, Tim, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a little bit of a doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but money's no object, I'll buy you whatever you'd like today. What would that vehicle be and why? Well, that'd be very kind if you could. Uh, yeah, obviously a massively tricky one, which we've always tried to nail down but end up with 10. I think something you can drive. I, I, I'm always, I'm always impressed when people drive, drive things on the road to an event, race them yes. or hill climb them and then drive them back. It's very impressive. So something like maybe a Bugatti Type 51 or, or 19, um, 2030. Um, Bugatti, something like that, um, or a Jaguar, or a 35C, or a Jaguar D-Type. But like, stay with the Bugatti. Yeah, they're absolutely spectacular cars. Is there one or two elements about that car that really stands out for you of why you like it so much? Yes, yeah, it's it's, um, it's very raw. You know, I mean, I think nothing is quite like a pre-war car. Having had the Riley, um, you can have a lot of fun <laughs> at 30 miles an hour. Um, where you'd be 
so having that much fun at 100 miles an hour in your saloon car sort of things and, and you know still the rider still come out on top so and that's pretty slow compared to Bugatti so I'm sure something fast and pre-war must be incredible uh yeah I've got a uh, a friend here in the Pacific Northwest that has owned one for many many years and I'll send you a picture of it I've got a picture of it uh parked on some grass by the LeMay Museum but uh Ah, spectacular cars. Boy, you've picked an expensive car for me. I might have to go buy one of those uh, replicas down in South America (laughs) to to be able to afford you one. But uh, what a nice car. Absolutely spectacular. Well, Tim, you've taken me on a great ride today. I knew you would. And I really enjoyed talking with you and learning more about you. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive and art journey with the Cars Yow listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you head off up that hill climb in your very own Bugatti Type 51? Yeah, I think anything, anything's possible. You know, I, I, I was told, you know, I, I, I wouldn't make it as an artist, like when I, when I was at school, so I think, no, it's a um, bit of a pipe dream, but, you know, keep trying and, and, and you'll make it. Also, you know, try, try new things. You know, we, we, we recently had, um, our house rebuilt and I'd never done anything, um, or our roof rebuilt and I'd never done anything like that. Actually, I got involved and started doing things like that myself on it and things I'd never tried, but actually really yeah. enjoyed doing and now I can do them. So um, always give things a try, persevere, and um, you'll get that. Absolutely. Great advice. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your artwork? Yeah, so as you said, um, yeah, Google my name. My website should hopefully come up, um, timlazel.com. Um, but you can also follow me on Twitter at Tim Lazel Arts. So um, that's that's quite good because that gives my latest um, work in the feeds and like that. Um, but yeah, if you Google me and it'll hopefully open up. Oh, absolutely. It does come up. And listeners, again, you can find a links to Tim's website and Twitter account and everything that we've talked about today on his very own show notes page at carsyad.com slash Tim Lazel. Just type Tim in the search bar and his page will pop up. I would encourage you if you're not familiar with Tim's artwork is to check him out. I think you're going to fall in love with both of his styles, just as I have for many, many years. Tim, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise for calling in all the way from England. It's very nice to talk to you here. And I want to thank you for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yow listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.